when people told themselves their past with stories, explained their present with stories, foretold the future with stories. The best place by the fire was kept for the storyteller. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Black Case Diaries podcast. Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, enthusiastic. Yeah. Today. We try. Uh, Welcome, welcome to this episode. I am Adam, as always, and I'm here with Robin and Marcy. Yay! Yay. Hey. Yay. I, tonight's a very bittersweet episode because it's our last episode in this studio. Of this, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're actually changing locations. Yeah. And of this season. Yes. So. And yes. of the season. Woo. Yes. Season two finale, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I tricked anybody? <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, a couple people hopefully. probably. Hopefully. They already turned off the podcast. Come back. Great. <clears throat> oh no. Oh no, help. Oh. All right. So this week we are going to talk about a very special little series that probably not too many people know about, unfortunately. That's kind of our shtick here. And it's become a, it, it, it it is. It is. Because we realize that there is some good stuff out there mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily popular, but it's still freaking good, and it deserves to be popular. We're talking, of course, about Jim Henson's The Storyteller. Yay. Aww. I grew up watching this, and uh, it's that's a really weird thing to say because it's one season. It's it's not a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. It's not a lot of material. But I had this and the spinoff series, the storyteller greek myths both on vhs mm-hmm. they did you know, they did a jim henson hour on tv and we taped it off tv and i loved it so much and so i hadn't even seen all these episodes honestly when i was a kid until i bought the dvd and then that's when i got to watch all of them nice so. wow there's so much more <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'd only seen like the same five episodes <laughs> over and over again it was basically part of my second childhood. My childhood of watching shows like this that I didn't get to when I was younger. So Yeah. Your yeah. second wind. Yeah. <laughs> right. So The Storyteller is a series that's based on folk tales and, and fairy tales, kind of. Mostly folk tales. And uh, so we thought we're, we'll talk a little bit about what folktales actually are and what they mean. And then we'll talk about the history of the show and who's yeah. in it and Yay. all that fun stuff. The same shtick. You know, the stuff we do for every episode, yeah. but with a different show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. So long ago, even before written tradition, people gathered to tell stories. These stories focus on people that dealt with demons, whether they be from hell or within. Featuring regular folk, animals, and kings, these tales appealed to the masses. The stories were passed down from one generation to the next, existing in the oral tradition, changing with the times, but keeping true to their original lessons. We know them as folk tales. The word folk comes from the German word Volk, which means people. Which I'm guessing, so yeah. So do you think Vol- Volkswagen means like people car? Oh my, oh my. Lord. Yep, that's exactly what it means. It has to. (laughs) Probably, I'm guessing. Oh my God. (laughs) The appeal of the tales was that anyone could listen and place themselves in the position of the characters. Often we use the term fairy tale and folktale interchangeably. This is not totally correct. Folktales usually appeal to a specific culture of people, while fairy tales are fanciful stories that almost always include magic and mythical creatures. A folktale could also be a fairy tale, but not all fairy tales are folktales. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Most of them are the same, are both folk mm-hmm. and fairy tale. Mm-hmm. But I guess it would be wrong to say mm-hmm. that every fairy tale is a folk tale. Yeah. Right. Or vice versa. So yeah. You kind of got that uh, square is a rectangle. <laughs> yeah. Rectangle is not a square kind of situation. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Folktales were used in place of education, teaching people basic lessons about morality, truth, sadness, and fears. There is no truth too complicated that it can't be taught through a story. What if school was just going to a place and sitting around a fire listening to somebody tell a story? Be awesome. What if that was what school was? I think that's what they tried to do with story word problems and math. They failed. It was trash. Nobody cares. That would be cool. Nobody cares about which train is going to get to which station faster. <laughs> you know, you or need how some many kind apples of Karen has. Yeah. Oh, and then care. after she gives Jim six of the apples, how many apples does she have yesterday? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, like, none, you know, the, the nice thing about these stories and, and folktales is they have more character and like heart to them, whereas something like that just doesn't yeah i mean obviously it's a math a math thing so they're not really trying to but there could have been something to it and i think if school had a lot more of that to it well think about educational television yeah yeah i mean they teach you math in a lot of children's shows Mm -hmm. using a story to teach Mm -hmm. you math so it's it's kind of like that yeah but I guess maybe by the time you get to trigonometry, it doesn't really work. Really? <laughs> it's a little tougher. <laughs> uh, almost every folktale has some sort of moral, whether it's heavy-handed or subtle. Sometimes it's a little more obvious than in other stories. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Many of these original stories exist today as written word, thanks to historians that traveled through countrysides and gathered oral stories from the people that lived there. For example, the Brothers Grimm. Yes. Yeah, we're familiar with them. They didn't write those stories. They got them from people. They wrote them down, you know, as part of just recording the oral tradition. Cheaters, basically. (laughs) At least they told us. Yeah. They didn't act like, you know. (laughs) True. Right. Many of us today know a folktale specific to their own family or participate in the telling of one. Anytime you see a relative and say, tell us this story, and the story isn't written anywhere, that's a folktale. Boom. Do you guys have any folktales, family folktales? I'm sure there are some, but off the top of my head, one that I recall, it's not as much of a folktale as it's, it doesn't have any fan, fantastic fantasy things to it. Um, but the story of my grandfather's sailboat almost being obliterated <laughs> while they were. Oh, my. My dad told this story recently, and it's basically just he and friends were transporting the sailboat. They were in the car behind the truck that was pulling the sailboat, and they saw that it had somehow come unhinged and started rolling down this hill. Neck <laughs> oh, came no. up next to the truck, caught in the in the <laughs> curb, you know, the oh, curb ditch, gosh. and oh god, terrifying moment because <laughs> it could have like hit a pothole or anything, just flipped yeah and been gone but it survived no but it's just like obviously more to that story i've just paraphrased but that's one that comes to mind i mean there's not i can't i'm very bad at remembering very many things that's why we're such good friends exactly robin has all the memory (laughs) you complete each other (laughs) exactly yeah 
But there was one, and I don't remember a lot of the details, but it stuck with me because one of my relatives, I heard supposedly on his deathbed, he saw snakes, like, everywhere. In the curtains, Ooh. on the floor, just this everywhere. This ain't supposed to be a scary episode, yeah. Marcy. <laughs> And he was, of course, flipping out. Yeah. And uh, later on, when his wife passed away, like, she was dying, and they were like, oh, you'll get to see your husband soon. And she's like, I'm not going where he went. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hopefully not. Oh, yeah. where all the snakes are. Hopefully not. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. boy. There are a few in my family. My dad told us a lot of them. And I think w- the one of the ones that is the most prominent in my memory. My dad's grandmother, Grandma Maud, which I'm not even certain she was his grandma, but that's that's the whole thing. It's a folktale. So mm-hmm. she, when he was a little boy, one night, my grandma was putting him to bed and he asked her where the stars come from. And my grandma said, every night, Grandma Maud, she lives at the top of a hill, so every night, Grandma Maud takes the stars out of a shoebox in her closet and she goes outside on top of the hill and she hangs the stars in the sky. And that's where the stars come from. So when I was a kid, he told us the same thing. And I remember when she died because we asked him, well, uh-oh, who's going to hang up the stars now <laughs> now that uh, she's gone? But yeah, I think years later, my dad actually wrote, he wrote an article and it made it into an astronomy magazine because he's really into astronomy. And... Uh, he told a story about when he was a kid. He went into her closet, fascinated by the star story, and wanted to see the the box of stars. He <laughs> of was very, very interested and wanted to see the box. And so he tried to reach this box that he saw at the top of the closet, but he couldn't quite get to it. And I think he nudged the box or hit the box and, you know. Oh. And uh, he wrote about it in the article, and my dad sent the article to her as an adult. <laughs> and she... Uh, responded and she said, I thought I saw some of my stars were bent out of shape that <laughs> night when I... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> see, see, yeah. that's, that's why Robin <laughs> is mm-hmm. is the coolest friend. <laughs> yep. I think. Because she... she ours were just... Uh, yeah. I mean... Mine was wow. like the lowest. I had nothing to do with that. No, 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 no. <laughs> and uh-uh. then we got Robin. Mine was lame. Yours had <laughs> no, something no. cool to it with the snakes. <laughs> and then... Oh my gosh. <laughs> So everyone's got stories in their family, folk tales, just oral tradition that they tell each other. And uh, that's why this kind of really appeals to pretty much everybody. On January 31st, 1987, a television show aired on NBC called The Storyteller. It featured an old man sitting by the fire next to his cynical talking dog. The episodes were based on folk tales acted out by actors and puppets from the Jim Henson Creature Shop. It was a rare combination of ancient influences mixed with modern technology and was loved by critics and viewers alike. The show was difficult to produce. It was shown in limited fashion. The last episodes were packaged together and released as the Jim Henson Hour. That's why there was only one season, I think, because it was so hard to put the show on. Yeah, which is such a shame. Um, And the death of Jim Henson kind of... Yeah, that would put a damper on things for sure. But maybe if everybody listening goes out and tweets about it and gets all <laughs> fussy maybe netflix will do a storyteller revival kind of like they did with the dark crystal might be interesting 
Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Could be something. So there's actually been talk of a storyteller Cutting edge revival. of societal evolution right yes. here on the Black Case Diaries. <laughs> I know exactly what's happening <laughs> at all times. They're actually <laughs> the thinking the about revi- yeah, revitalizing yeah. the show. There you have- yep. Neil Gaiman is, is heading it up. Yeah. Producer and writer. Yep. They don't Look know at me. they don't know yet where it's going to be right. yet. They don't have a home for it, yeah. but yeah. Nice. There you go. Good job, Adam. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> you always seem to have that like psychic, like like I said, cutting edge. Hopefully, the effects are practical still. <clears throat> yes. Oh god. Oh, god. oh now I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, it it would have to be right. I mean, how could you have a Jim Henson? If they put kind Jim of... Henson's name on it, then it yeah. has to be. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about the show. Let's do it. And where it came from. The storyteller is one of Jim Henson's last projects. And he directed two of the episodes of the show. Do you guys, do you guys know that? Nice. Pretty no, cool. Did not. Yeah. The idea for this show came from his daughter Lisa after she took a folklore class at Harvard. Oh, nice. Yeah, and Lisa is now the CEO of the Jim Henson company. So. Very nice. Yeah. So hopefully she would help with making that. Yeah, shape. maybe she has a special yeah. connection to it. Yeah. Yeah. Henson was intrigued by the idea of a show that celebrated ancient stories and stayed true to their subtlety. Together, Jim Henson and Lisa created the concept of the show and based all the episodes on actual folktales. They employed a team to research literary references to the stories, making them as authentic as possible. The show was written by Anthony Minghella, who spent two years writing the nine episodes for its first season. The long, hard work really paid off. Absolutely did. Yes. It's such quality, even though it's only nine shows episodes it's they're all fantastic yeah Mingella is also known for the english patient which he won an oscar for but also the talented mr ripley cold mountain and also storyteller greek myths uh-huh. yeah the, the some people i've heard some people call it a season two sort of yeah but it's hard to say that it is mm-hmm. different. It's so similar. I mean, yeah. the the feelings in it are about the same. It has the same feel to it, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's really, I liked it a lot when I was a kid. It's not John Hurt, though. Right. Yeah. Different guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Henson used the effects and animatronics from his creature shop mixed with actors to bring the stories to screen. Academy Award winning composer Rachel Portman wrote the theme music and scored the show. She's also known for the Cider House Rules. And Emma, we talked about her. Sure yeah, did. We did. She's so good. She crushed yeah. it. Uh, the music in this is incredible. The intro alone <laughs> is amazing. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, every little piece of this show fits together so perfectly. Yeah. Earlier today when I was trying to look up bits and pieces of the storyteller to kind of get my memory refreshed, one of the first things that kept coming up was the soundtrack. Just people looking up the soundtrack because it's just that good on its own. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. Jim Henson knew exactly what he wanted for the look and feel of the show. So he brought in Brian Froud, a man he collaborated with on The Dark Crystal and The Labyrinth. Every detail from every episode was carefully crafted to build a wondrous universe where these stories could exist. When the lights go low and the storyteller's voice grows quiet and the fire burns bright and warm, we can all suspend our belief even just for a little while. This show captured a feeling that we all get from our favorite stories like no show had done before. 
Well, thanks for listening, everybody. What a great way to end. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, <clears throat> boy. But, man, that really descri- that describes it well, and it makes me really bummed out that it was so short-lived. Mm-hmm. But with with a synopsis like that, you can't go wrong. Mm-mm. With a with a review like that, it's just like, wow. What a what a mm-hmm. what a unique one of a kind experience. I I really enjoy it also because it's so calming and <laughs> I love to fall asleep. I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast knows wow. I love to fall asleep. And a good story, even though you want to know what happens, it can also, like, put you to sleep. That's why, I mean, you read <laughs> stories to kids to make, have them fall asleep. But Bedtime stories, so, a thing. Yeah, yeah. and that, that works for me, too. <laughs> even, even during the, like, m- more intense parts of the story like oh and the troll is coming or you know whatever it is yeah you're still like ah everything's fine <laughs> john Hurt's voice is so wonderful and <laughs> soothing. so the first and only season ran of course the nine episodes and these episodes were hans my hedgehog the heartless giant the three ravens the true bride the soldier and death fear not a story short, the luck child and sap sorrow. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. It's intense. <laughs> Those would all make great candle scents. <laughs> no. Sap sorrow. <laughs> Hans, Hans, my Hans my hedgehog would be the best candle <laughs> <I know>. scent. <laughs> so the show stars the one and only <gasps> Sir John Hurt. Yay. Yes. This I love him so much, and it's because of this show. I loved him other things, but it was really, it was this. When I was a kid, this show was so important to me, and uh, it really shaped who I am as a person. And I just, it's so, I I, I mean, I I love stories for a lot of reasons. My dad loves stories, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. and Are You Free of the Dark, you know, that made me love stories too. But this show was so, I I just, I never really appreciated oral stories as a kid nearly Mm -hmm. as much until I watched this show. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot to do with that. We've talked about him before. He was the war doctor in Doctor Who. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And he had, apparently, we found out, he had more than 40 on-screen deaths in his career. <laughs> which is quite wow. a lot. Including, I think, uh, Alien. That's one of them. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Isn't... He's, he also dies in Hellboy. <clears throat> is it Hellboy 2? Yes, one that's... Uh, I think it... Was it 1? I don't know. He's Hellboy's father in, in those, yes. and he dies in one of them. <laughs> yes. Wow. I think it's, I want to say it's the first. I guess I really. Oh, I don't remember. I never realized yeah, how many things time. he was in. Yeah. Yeah. He played Ollivander in the Harry Potter movies. Yes. That was one of my favorite moments in Harry Potter, and when in the first one he gets his wand for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. God, oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> so, so great. So, the storyteller was originally supposed to be a puppet. However, after creating mock-ups of the character, Henson decided that having an actual actor would give more personality and character. But he still wanted to keep those puppet-like aspects, so they had Hurt wear a prosthetic nose, larger ears, and a lot of makeup. Yeah, I, it's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful how he you don't really know what he is. Or who yeah. he, he's just yeah. he exists in this universe with all these different. It never has to explain. 
mm-hmm. what what creature he is, but he's not a human. He's mm-hmm. got weird ears and <laughs> strange nose, and but it's the most lovable costume. It yeah. is. It, it doesn't go beyond the point where it's super weird, like some of the mm-hmm. characters from Labyrinth or... or even or dark crystal or (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know other ridiculous strange things from the mind of jim henson you know it's right in the sweet spot yeah he's like almost a spiritual cousin of hoggle yeah yeah but more human like Yeah. yeah yeah i think the other thing i loved about him was his quilt his quilt had a lot of character. Yeah. It was yeah. it had like different patches on it and it it wasn't mm-hmm. all one unified kind of looking thing. It was very like patchwork. Yeah. So it gave him even more character. And it looks so like comfortable. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just that chair. Oh yeah. The fire. The dog. It, yeah, all of it. <laughs> Perfect. So it's said that he enjoyed this show so much. That he wished it could have been for more than one season. Us too, buddy. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like such a fun one. And it's it would be easy for him to do. You know, it's not a difficult acting job to be somebody just telling a story. But being the person telling the story has got to be the most fun yeah. part. Also, I wanted to mention we were talking about things that he was in. I wanted to mention that he's the voice of the Horn King in The Black Cauldron. Uh, he he did a lot of voice work. Yeah. Nice. The next person we have on here is Brian Henson, and he played the dog. He is, of course, <laughs> the third child of Jim and Jane Henson. Now, the dog was originally not supposed to talk, but the scriptwriter assumed he would talk because, of course, <laughs> Henson's past work. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of just made him talk. <laughs> And it worked out. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> They're a perfect duo. You have this fanciful storyteller who believes in all this magic, and then you have this dog, this talking dog, <laughs> that is very cynical <laughs> and disbelieving of all of the stories that he's telling and always questioning all the things he says, which is mm-hmm. hilarious because he's a talking dog. Yeah. 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 He's supposed to be like the audience mm-hmm. watching, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He oh, chimes me. in and... He try asks for clarification on things that don't seem very clear, and so that way, as the audience, we don't have a chance to ask those questions, but the dog asks for us, mm-hmm. and so then the storyteller will go, "Oh, well, I'll explain." <laughs> right. Yeah. We also know him as the voice of Hoggle in the Labyrinth, of which he also controlled the face muscles. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Some other notable cameos. We've got Sean Bean. Yeah, oh, he's in the the True Bride. Is that yeah, what the, he's yeah. the true love. Yes, he did a great job. In yeah, that for for how he barely talked. Yeah, but he great job though. Nailed it, and he survived. Yes, yes, he did. Um, so did John Hurt. Yeah, yeah. As the storyteller, You're right? Yeah. We also got J- Jonathan Price, Miranda Richardson, Brenda Blethyn, Gabrielle Anwar. Jennifer Saunders and Jane Horrocks. Yeah, that's a lot of good cameos, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely have to go back and watch to see them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I've, okay, I have oh, it on DVD. I've, I've, yeah, I've only seen a couple of episodes now, so. Yeah. From when we were in college, I used to make Adam watch this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the show features the Creature Shop. Yes. We're all familiar with the Jim Henson Creature Shop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
It was created in London in 1979 when Jim Henson wanted to have a separate shop from his New York puppet workshop. His goal was to experiment and create creatures that were more lifelike and included more animatronics. These innovations led to projects such as The Labyrinth and The Storyteller. After his dad passed away in 1990, Brian moved the creature shop to Los Angeles. Oh, sad, but also, hey, uh, yeah, Ayo, closer. Not in New York, right? Maybe one day. He has a shop on opposite sides of the country. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's got us all sandwiched in between. Yeah. Right. When are you going to open up a creature <laughs> right where shop he wants us. Oh. in Columbus? In Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> in can, Columbus. can you guys do that? Yeah. I'd like to yeah. visit the creature or, shop. Or have tours. Yeah, I don't believe they do <laughs> tours, unfortunately. Mm. They're uh. just too busy. Fraggle Rock also came to be because of both of these, these workshops. It was a combination of the puppet workshop and the creature shop. They came together and created Fraggle Rock. Nice. So, That's super awesome. That's another yeah. show we'll talk about sometime. Yes, yeah. we for sure will. Don't cares away. <laughs> it's often tradition in a story to split things up into threes. Three is a great number to use for adages and fables, and they use it frequently in this show. And so we picked three of our favorite episodes to talk about tonight. Yeah, y'all. Yeah. So the first one that we want to talk about, me and Marcy, Marcy and I, I guess, yes. we watched this earlier today, mm-hmm. Hans My Hedgehog. Now, I know normally we would say Hans, but in the show, they said Hans the entire time. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Hans My Hedgehog was the premiere episode of the show, and it set the stage for the rest of the season. It was directed by Steve Barron and based on an early German folktale. It follows Hans, a hedgehog boy... Born to a human family, he feels ostracized by the people of his town who call him the Gravel Hog, especially his father. His father is not a great person. No. He's not depicted in a very good light in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Hans leaves home, only to find a king lost in the woods. Hans helps the king find his way home, and in return, the king rewards him with the first thing he sees when he returns to his kingdom. It turns out the first thing the king saw when he came home was his beautiful young daughter. Oh, oops. Oh, man. Yeah, so <laughs> we just watched this one today. We did. It was it was quite wonderful, very interesting, kept me captivated the whole time. <laughs> yeah, if you notice, the, Hans' face mm-hmm. looks very similar to that of the puppets in the Dark Crystal. That's the episode that Brian Froud worked on, and he's the one who worked on the Dark Crystal. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. It all makes sense. Yeah. And it's very dark. You have these beautiful landscapes and it's a really interesting episode. The story's good. It's it's a great it was a great opening episode. Mm-hmm. It's got a better looking hedgehog than Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> From the new Sonic movie. That's true. High praise. So there you yeah. go. I I found it hard to believe that his coat or whatever you want to call it was comfortable to lie on oh yeah like she she oh, lies yeah, on his his coat yes. of needles and or whatever and it's like really yeah i mean i guess i never had a hedgehog so i don't really know what they feel like hedgehog lovers out there let us know yeah, yeah. i actually in the episode they say that when he was born his quills were really soft and comfortable but this hedgehog baby had quills as soft as feathers and his mother held him to her breast and wrapped him in a bundle and snoodled him and hugged him to beds. And she gave him the name Hans. Hans, my hedgehog, she called him. 
he for some reason he was born with really soft clothes so hans is a combination of a hedgehog and a human and he was born to a mother who loved him very much and his father did not love him his father cast him out and hans decided you know what i'm gonna leave home and it broke his mother's heart and she ends up dying because uh, dying of a broken heart because Mm -hmm. he left home and dad yeah he falls he he uh like gets lost in the forest well he doesn't get lost but the king does he meets a king in the forest like we said he you know kind of strikes up a deal ends up with the king's daughter and then this is where this is where the story really gets kind of like the the meaty part of the story where she finds out that he's actually enchanted and that at night he can shed his skin his soft cloak Mm -hmm. and she lays on it on the floor and falls asleep because it's so comfortable and uh, then she finds out that if, if for three if for three nights she doesn't say anything to anybody that the fact that he could do this then uh, his spell will be broken and he will be a normal human for the first time ever. not hog yeah yeah and she's able to make it two nights before he finds out that she knows yes of course and- yeah of course it's a folk tale so <laughs> she doesn't make it home three no, nights no no robin during the episode was like she only had to keep the secret for one night she one even, day she didn't even know about the secret the first two nights yeah and so she only had to deal with it one night one and I, night. I was like i'm sorry one day i think i could do one day one day <laughs> i could do but yeah. yeah so wait explain this to me she she, she couldn't tell anyone that he could shed his cloak that's it or like, yeah Basically, people knew that he could shed his cloak, but he, I, she wasn't able to tell anybody that there was a spell and that she could, okay. you know, make him normal. I guess mm-hmm. people found, like, because people, like, kind of spread rumors and knew that this could possibly okay. happen. Gotcha. Because her mother is the one who kind of bo- bothers her for the information and, and says, you know... Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, can he shed his cloak? Oh, can he take his cloak off? I know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to throw it in the fire. <laughs> what a nosy mom. Which is wrong. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene in this one that's kind of funny, but also kind of not. Uh, <laughs> when she gets married to the hedgehog, to Hans, mm-hmm. she goes up to, you know, the after marriage part. Yeah. Especially in medieval times, right? They're right away. They're heading on up there. And um, <laughs> Whatever are you talking about? I- <laughs> And uh, and the father and mom, they're like listening. Yeah. They're like, this, she's in there laying down and the hedgehog mm-hmm. is playing, he's playing this beautiful music, beautiful music that, that yep. began like hello and ended like goodbye. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... They sit up, as soon as they hear the music stop, they kind of sit up and like listen. Gross! They're like, what is are they doing anything wow. and it's like oh no why would you do that no, why would you oh. why would you listen for that why are they so close too i thought he was gonna take her back to his home like why? <laughs> he should have apparently he's like living in the palace with them yeah anyway you think you think they could have found a room far enough away from the parents room right yeah yeah, yeah. if it's a palace you know mm-hmm. the other thing i found that was kind of weird is that when he shed his coat he just like he went out to go feed the animals and stuff, and he just he just stayed naked. He didn't yeah, put he's anything naked. on. He just <laughs> he's he's a hedgehog man. He's, he's confident. I guess he's he just... never he's never known clothing. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, it's just so freeing. I don't want to. Honestly, yeah. there should be a follow up where they're showing her teaching him how to wear clothes and stuff. <laughs> 
It's like after it's, the conclusion oh of this gosh. episode, and then Phil Collins, Stranger, like yeah. maybe comes on and. <laughs> But, or there may be something there that wasn't yeah, there before. Like you know, what's interesting, though, is I think when at the end she finally hugs it, like, yeah. wrestles him and hug, you know, keeps hold of him. <laughs> <laughs> and is like, no, like, you're going to stay with me and I'm going to cuddle you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm, I love you. Yeah, I love you. He, like, changes into the human form, mm-hmm. but he has pants on in that scene. Well, <laughs> it was 1987 so, on NBC. That's true. So. <laughs> It'd been a different story if it were on HBO. Maybe. run on HBO. Maybe they oh, meant well, they, maybe they meant he shed more than just his coat in that other scene. Maybe. He, he yeah. shed it all, because why not? Right. Because right. he felt like it. Exactly. <laughs> so that was Hands My Hedgehog. <laughs> That's an important one because it's the first one. Yeah. yeah. When this show premiered, they premiered an episode and they waited a really long time then they would pr- premiere the second episode because, it, again, the production was so intense that they they could only do it in a limited amount, limited way. So they couldn't actually just every week have an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least that's how they did it here in America. I read that in the UK, they just showed all of them. Oh, okay. Oh, they waited till they were all done and... Yeah. Smart. Wow, yeah. I guess that's one way to do yeah. it. It's kind of more popular now. Yeah, yeah. The next two, the la- like the two episodes we're going to talk about are my two favorite all time episodes, and I, I actually think that they're a lot of people's favorites because when I was researching this, I found the most about these two episodes than mm-hmm. I did about any of the others. Ah, so nice. Yeah, and we watched them both today. Mm-hmm. So. The first one is a story short, and this is a really special episode. Adam, do you remember? This is the one that John Hurt is in the story yep. also, as well as telling it, where he is living at a king's castle, right? Yep. And has to tell a story to the king every day for a certain length of time. A year. For a year, okay. And, Yeah. I don't remember all the details, but I, I do remember that premise. Yeah, this is such a cool premise. And it was the only episode where John Hurt was in the story. And so you really got to see him act with other actors. Mm-hmm. And you got to see a, a, a bigger range of his abilities. And it was really cool. This is one of my favorite episodes ever because there are just so many little clever things. And one of the things in this episode that is my favorite is Stone Soup. And, uh, you know, it's almost like there's just little, little stories, you know, kind of scattered throughout. And in this one, he convinces the man in the kitchen, Baker, or the, I'm sorry, he convinces the cook, the, the cook that he could make a soup out of just a stone. And the, co- the cook says, you know, this is not, this is not true. Mm-hmm. There's no way that's true. And he says, oh, but yes, it is true. So he drops the stone in the boiling uh- water. I remember now. And every time, every time he tastes the water, he says, "Oh, nearly finished." And when the cook wants to taste it, he goes, "Oh, but do you have any salt?" <laughs> and so the cook, you know, puts in some salt. Oh, do you have any stock? Oh, do you have any any greens? Oh, do you have any potatoes? <laughs> and he just keeps, "Oh, just one more thing, just one more thing." And by the end of it, it's just regular soup. Yeah. But he's, with a stone at the bottom. <laughs> with a stone at the bottom. Yep. And then finally, the chef gets to taste it Mm -hmm. it's like i can't believe you made it out of just a stone this is delicious how did you do this and this this little charade uh, gets him in trouble 
(laughs) (laughs) What? Yes. Yeah, it gets him in trouble. And uh, this is when he goes before the king and the king, uh, you know, finds out that he is a storyteller. He says to him, I am a teller of stories. I'm a weaver of dreams. That's what he says to the king. And the king says, great, that's awesome. Every night I need a story from you for a year and then I will let you go. And we are on the last night, and he doesn't have a story. He's a story short. That's right. Oh, I get it. <laughs> it's based. This episode is based on a Celtic folktale and follows John Hurt's storyteller when he's tasked with the king to tell him one story every night for a year. Marcy's drink of the week is actually based on this story. Yeah. Oh. Yep. It's humble stone soup. Oh. Nice. It all nice. makes sense now. <laughs> nice. I like to wait and see what the drinks are called till <laughs> the episode. I didn't know what it was until right now, and now I get it. Yes. Yeah. Great job, soup. guys. It's delicious. <sighs> yes, it is. It's a very, very good drink. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this episode also had Brenda Blethen in it, who we talked about just a couple minutes ago. And she starred in Witches. Which is important because that was the last movie that Jim Henson produced before he passed away. Aww. Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts about that episode? I remember enjoying it very much. Like we've said, John Hurt's a great actor and he really plays it up well while being in the same story and telling it. It's mm-hmm. this weird this weird perspective. You know, it's like, oh, no, I was there. You know, when the doc's like, ah, come really you're like no that's exactly how it happened i was there you know that kind of stuff i i just it was a lot of fun yeah yeah i agree and the stone soup scene is yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it like you said it really could be like a little story in its own oh so beautiful it's such a great trick and as the episode goes on it turns out the end he can tell the story of him not having a story and that's the story that the king mm-hmm. loves and it's it really, it, it's an interesting episode. It's so cool. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things you don't see coming when you're a kid. And so I began to tell the king of my adventures, of hares and fleas and mysteries, the worst day of my life, my wife's cruelty, the boiling oil. And what a tale it was, my dearies, how the tears coursed down the cheeks of the king and the cook and the queen. And when at last I finished, there was a terrible silence. And so, Majesty, I have no story to tell. So the last episode I think that we're going to talk about from the storyteller is such a cool story. It's really good. It's called The Soldier and Death. This is considered by a lot of people to be the best episode of the show. It is several stories weaved together. One Russian tale of a soldier who tricks devils by trapping them in his sack. Two Slavic tales about catching the devil in a basket. And one Swiss story about a vine grower who took death as prisoner. This episode was one of the only two that that was directed by Jim Henson. Boom. Nailed it. This one continually came up every time I was looking up stuff. Yeah. It was just like, here's that one scene from this episode. (laughs) You know. This... I remember being a kid and being so taken by this story. And it's so cool to me because it it was a story that they weaved together. 
it wasn't its own tale. They actually pulled from different stories to make it happen. I think that's really cool. And I remember one night when I was a kid, me and my sister were uh, sleeping at my grandparents' house upstairs, and it was dark and quiet, and she couldn't fall asleep. And uh, so she asked me to tell her a story, and she, I guess she hadn't watched this or she didn't remember it. And so I told her this story. And uh, I remember she loved it. She loved it so much. And uh, I felt it felt so good to tell a story that someone loved so much. And uh, I remember just she requested it. Every time she couldn't sleep, she'd ask me to tell her this story. So this is, it's such a fascinating tale. And there's so many little bits to it. Mm-hmm. It starts with a soldier who is coming home from war. And he's got three biscuits. And he comes across three beggars in the road. And every time he meets a beggar, he gives him a biscuit. And the beggar will give him something in return. One gives him a good whistle, like the ability to whistle really well somehow. <laughs> One gives him a magical sack that if you tell, <laughs> if you tell anyone anything to get in it, they will. And uh, dice. I think it's dice. or Oh, it's cards. It's cards. It's yeah. cards that will never lose. You know, he goes and he takes the sack and he orders animals into it. And animals will just go into the sack. He'll just kill them. He'll eat them. He's never hungry. You know, he comes across this castle, this abandoned castle that has every night these devils come up from hell and play a game of cards in the great hall of this castle. Hello. I hear you like a game of cards. What shall we play for? His soul, his whistle, his teeth. I collect teeth. Fair enough. And what will you stake? We've got 40 barrels of gold. Any good? Very good. (laughs) And uh, they're the most Jim Henson devils. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ever. Right? They're bright red. They... They're very interesting. The mouth movement's really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where the creature shop really shines. They they did the mouth so well that it looks like they're to- just talking. Yeah, they yeah. lip awesome. synced really well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as a kid, I totally believed that these... I, I didn't really understand, like, puppets mm-hmm. when I was a kid, so I totally thought these were, like, real creatures and things that they... I yeah. mean, I... Yeah, who knew? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which I believe Jim Henson really wanted to draw that line between puppets and creatures. So mm-hmm. these were definitely creatures. Yeah. They were meant to be more realistic and believable, whereas puppets were more of the fun, you know, just... <laughs> and I really around. think that's what differentiates Jim Henson from a lot of other special effects stuff. It's just so... It's so weird, but it's something that would be real. Yeah. You know, and it just feels so real because of the weird details. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just look at it and it's not moving, it's like, oh, it's kind of, like some of the, like the bad guys from D- the Dark Crystal are like, oh, they're kind of gross looking, right? Mm-hmm. But when they're in motion and they're doing their thing, it's just like, wow, it's like alive. Yeah. For real, you know? It's wonderful. I love it. And uh, he plays cards with these devils and he beats them. And he traps he traps the devils. The devils get angry, and he traps them in the sack. And one of them he holds on to. 
and this one is like his slave this is like devil's slave there's this really funny line later on when he walks into a room and uh, he says hello uh you know i'm so and so this is my devil and uh like it's the most nonchalant (laughs) (laughs) everyone's got one right (laughs) she sings out with me <laughs> Which there's another line later on where he's with his wife and he just like lets the devil out of the sack or, or something <laughs> of that sort and he's like devil wife wife this is my devil <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and they're like so chill about it it's like oh my god yeah it's amazing everyone believes in demons <laughs> yeah, yeah and yeah. everyone just carries them around in a sack that's fine, that's fine. Yeah. and uh, he does this the one thing the one thing that he does is it's so crazy is, you know, he steals a hoof from the devil and, and basically holds on to it. And so this devil is his perpetual slave. And his son gets really sick. And he he summons the devil. And he says, you know, make my son better. And the devil has a cup of water. And he says, you know, look into this cup of water. And in it, you will see an image of death. If death is by the boy's feet, he may get better. But if death is by the boy's head, he will not survive. And if death is by the boy's feet, just drink from the cup and he'll get better. And, you know, death is by the boy's feet. He drinks from the cup. M- miracle. Mm-hmm. He's, and uh, he, you know, he tells the, de- the devil, hey, not the devil, but the demon. He says, hey, I'll let you go. Just let me keep this cup. And the demon's like, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. That. I'll take that plea deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, he goes around, he's a miracle healer, he's healing people all across the countryside, and it gets to a point where I think it's his father, I think it's the king, it's, it's, it's his king, it's the king. Oh yes, the king. Gets to a point where it's the king, and the king is sick, and he sees that death is at the king's head, and there's nothing he can do. And uh, he knows there's nothing he can do. So he looks at death in the cup, and he says, do you know what this is? And holds up the sack. And death says, it's a sack. And, he, and the, the soldier says, well, if it's a sack, get in. And uh, so death gets in the sack and he's trapped. And for a long time, nobody dies. Mm. For a very, very long time. People are throwing themselves off trees. I think one of my favorite lines is he says, um, star-crossed lovers were throwing themselves off cliffs only to find they had a long walk back up afterward. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh it's wonderfully written show oh yeah <laughs> so that episode's so compelling there's so many cool little features in it and uh, parts of it remind me of certain folktales that i know and grew up with particularly the tale of jack the lantern really yep. reminds me of that folktale and uh, i think this is just the you know or stingy jack i guess and, and yeah this is such a really but what do you guys think about this story? Um, I was thinking the same thing. It reminded me of that story too. Keeping the uh, the devil in a you know in a kind of a deal with with the devil and keeping him in the in the pumpkin and all that stuff. But it also reminds me of some stuff from Harry Potter. The uh, the cloak. And oh the, yeah, the Deathly Hallows. The, yeah, that's that's it. It's yeah. very similar kind of feel to it, you know, where you kind of trick death into giving, you know, in the same way he tricked death into giving him the invisibility cloak so he could hide from death. It's the same way, like 
keeping death in a sack. You know, you got some kind of power over it. Like um, The Adventures of Billy and Mandy is another example, that cartoon where they have a deal with him. But, uh, yeah, it's a really, really cool story, really cleverly done. And you just, like, at every turn, the main character is like, ha, gotcha again. It's like, wow, can how can he go wrong, you know? Yeah. So I think the first time that I watched this, I thought he was so clever, but also very lucky. <laughs> yeah. You know, for the most part, he was pretty lucky. And then rewatching it again, I was like, he's so he's so kind and nice because he gives those biscuit. He was this, first of all, he was a soldier, mm-hmm. so he did that for his country or you yeah. know whatever. And then he came back home and he gave away his only biscuits. He, he fought like twenty years in the war. Or something. Yeah, it was like crazy. That's- a crazy amount of time crazy and then he comes back and he gives away all of his biscuits which he graciously accepts the gifts that the beggars give him which is cool uh which help him out but then like and, and near the end he try he tries to save souls and everything which is also awesome or he does he successfully yeah. saves 200 souls but then he's doomed yeah to eternity. I mean, it, I like it though, because I mean, he's a nice person, but he definitely did some bad stuff. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just he. I definitely don't like. I don't know. the The bad thing was to trap death, and then people couldn't die for a long time. Yeah, period. you know, he really messed with like. I think it's part of that you don't want to mess with the, with nature mm-hmm. and the balance of things, and you know, because that's what happens is he messes with death, and death says, yeah. "Oh, no, thank you, bro. I'm not." <laughs> I'm not going to come after you. I mean, that's, I think that's probably, it sucks. You do feel bad for him, especially when I was a kid. I definitely felt bad for him, Mm -hmm. but I liked it. I liked that the story didn't have a happy ending. Yeah. I think that there was something about it that just, I I don't know, but there's something, you really feel the lesson Mm -hmm. in this story, and I I really liked that. And one of the lessons being that, death is a part of life it just happens oh you know him trying to mess with it and making it so no one dies for long periods of time obviously there's going to be a consequence to that and i Mm -hmm. i really like that the consequence is there but yeah it sucks because he is a good dude yeah Mm -hmm. he tries yeah he made a mistake but other than that i mean he's nice he trieth yeah he he trieth (laughs) call back (laughs) so that's how we feel about the soldier and death. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful story. Yeah. There was this episode. We don't have to talk about the whole episode, but I I wrote a quote while we were watching the episode. From, the episode's called Fear Not. And it's about this young man who doesn't fear anything. And uh, his friend kind of takes him to all these dangerous places to teach him how to be afraid. Because being afraid is an important thing. Helps you survive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, near the at the end of the episode, he nothing scares him until the end of the episode when he thinks that he's lost his the love of his life. And uh, she's fine. Turns out okay at the end. But that's the moment he realizes that he's felt fear for the first time. And there's a quote at the end. He said, "And so the boy who had set forth to learn what fear was learned it at home." And I, I love that. That's mm-hmm. a really good, very you know, very subtle lessons in these and i like that yeah very cool very folk folky yeah (laughs) he goes out to look for it and he realizes you know fear can happen anywhere yep 
You don't have to go find the monsters. They'll find you. Yeah, I was going to say. That's even more terrifying. Oh, my gosh. So the last things we have here is how we feel about the show and the awards that it got. Yeah. Some cool stuff. The show received many awards, including an Emmy for Hans My Hedgehog. Uh, It won a BAFTA for the costume designed by Anne Hollywood and Polly Smith. Um, the costumes are incredible, oh, all yeah. of them. Yeah. Like we said before, thanks to the, the creature shop and all that stuff, but all of the incredible hard work that people put into this made it stellar in, in all facets. You know, uh, The Gabriel Awards, sponsored by the Catholic Association for Broadcasters and Communicators. I thought that was an interesting one to include that they won. Yeah. Just, just because it, it won that award because for uh, Hands My Hedgehog because of their kind depiction of troubling events. I think it was something, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something mm-hmm. like that, where yeah. it was, this is like a human condition. They're showing, you know, problems with the human condition and they're, you know, portraying in a way to teach young people how to handle that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And it also got the Ohio State Award. Oh yeah, the yeah. highest of awards. I had I had to include that that it won the Ohio State Award. Hometown. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you remember the. Uh, just you know. Yeah. <sighs> oh God, no. We, we love you, Ohio State. We don't. We do, well, but. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can't won. let them hear you say that. <laughs> but it also won many more awards beyond that, which is pretty cool. Well deserving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a spinoff series. We talked about that just a tiny bit. Yeah. The Storyteller Greek Myths. Yeah. And it was created by Anthony Mangella and starring Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon is most well known for playing Dumbledore in most of the Harry Potter films. That's right, mm-hmm. and you guys recognize that Anthony Mangella is the original screenwriter for the first Storyteller, uh-huh. and so he, I guess, created the spinoff. Right. That's always good. He probably had a bit of a thought where he was sad that it was only one season, yes. too, yeah. so he was like, oh, yeah. more, please. Yes, yeah. <laughs> in some way. Yes. So in 2019, the Jim Henson Company has now announced they are in talks to remake the series with Neil Gaiman as a writer and producer. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit yeah. already. But Cutting edge. I just wanted to mention that. We were saving it for the end, but Adam had to... I know, I'm he brought sorry. it forward. <laughs> Look, it's just the way it, it, the way it is. It's, Living on the edge is difficult, guys. Uh-huh. It is. Mm, all right. I spoil things when it's, I don't even mean to. It's just like, what episode? I believe it was Anne of Green Gables. There oh, was at the a, very beginning when he said he was wait, couldn't wait to watch the anime. Anime. As and if that. there was no anime. <laughs> and it, but there is an anime. Guys, yeah. I'm telling you, I know what's going to happen before that. You weirdo. <laughs> the show only lasted one season, but the storyteller lives on in graphic novels. Yes, it if, does. If you guys are interested in those... They look pretty good. They I look, haven't read them. The The art style is very, very cool. Very similar to uh, another great graphic novel series, Mouse Card, which I've brought up multiple times. <laughs> and there are multiple, I guess, sets of stories. One just called The Storyteller has, I think, somewhere around eight or nine stories uh, within the 
within the whole uh, set. And then there are four other smaller ones that deal with something specific like giants, dragons, fairies, oh things my. like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm. <laughs> but but those are still happening. They're still coming out, which is pretty cool. So the, yes. the whole world of the storyteller hasn't hasn't gone away yeah and honestly i we all highly suggest that you check this show out Mm -hmm. it's very fun it's great to watch with kids i wonder how kids today would see it but when i was a kid it was very much i mean it was still the 90s so (laughs) it wasn't that you know the costumes looked about about right yeah if your kid likes the dark crystal or the labyrinth this is very close Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, and it's well-written. It's so cool. It's such a cool yeah. show. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very soothing with John Hurt's voice, as we said before. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I, we all miss him so much. We do. Yeah. So, that'll about do it for this episode, I think. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it very much. You can go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at Diary. On Instagram, at Black Case Diaries Podcast. Check out the blog on BlackCaseDiaries.com. Put a lot of work into those, so check them out. Lots of cool stuff. All of the info that we talked about is there. And uh, all of our previous episodes are there, too. But if you want some juicy extras, check us out on Patreon.com slash BlackCaseDiaries um, and get some cool goodies there, too. So I think that'll be a case Closed, everybody. Woo! Woo! Hooray! So, we'll see you next season. Yeah. So, we're going to take a couple weeks off. Yeah. And so, we won't be around for just a tiny bit of time. It'll be be so quick. You'll blink and it'll be over. Mm -hmm. Especially for us. Yeah, we know we will. We'll blink and it'll be over for us. So Yes. Yes. But if you must, if you must... Get your fix of the Black Case Diaries. Remember, blackcasediaries.com. It's that easy. We got 50 episodes, guys. Yeah. Here's to the next 50. (laughs) Holding up my glass. Let's all clink our glasses. Check them out. To season three. Do you know what this is? A sack. Well, if it's a sack, then get in it. Just checking.